Hello, and welcome to episode two of the McCovey Chronicles Happy Hour, the show where we have some fun and check in with fans from around the league. My name is Sammy Higgins. This week I was joined by Lana Barry of the internet, who gives us some insight on the Dodgers, shares some of her personal history with baseball, and imparts some wisdom on us about life, social media, and what we can all do to make a positive impact on those around us. Without further ado, here's my interview with Lana. Everybody, I'm here with Lana Berry, and Lana, can you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> open-ended question. It's funny. Okay, so we've got a baseball audience. I'm like, who's my audience? Who am I talking to? I feel like my answer always changes depending on <laughs> who I'm talking to. I'm a writer. I am a former slash future podcaster. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm always doing a million different things, but I think a lot of people who listen to baseball stuff and watch baseball stuff know me from Twitter, and I've just been tweeting about baseball for a really long time, and I've had my hand in a lot of baseball things in the past, and uh, that's really not specific, but that's okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate you giving it a shot. I know it's it's hard to define yourself with speaking of doing that. We have a little getting to know you quiz um, that we like to go through. It's just okay. three quick questions. Um, if you were a commissioner for a day, what would you change? I mean, I'd probably like go back and change all the stuff they already changed. <laughs> so change it back. I think I would change it to fewer games, which isn't like a it isn't like as funny or glamorous as I would like normally go. But like honestly, so many players are just so like dead by the end of the season, and I just watched the Dodgers like go to two world series in a row where everyone was just completely toast both times. It's like not even that fun by the time you get to the world series. Cause everyone's falling apart because there's so many games. What would you like to like get rid of like interleague? Oh God, I hate interleague. <laughs> uh, it's the Astros fault. Cause it used to be like fine and contained. Then the Astros went back to the AL and it's just like, now we have like, Game, like season openers that are interleague and season enders that are interleague and it's just not that fun I, it's fun as an idea like it's fun if you don't watch a lot of uh, of the other league like I don't get to see the Yankees because I don't watch you know I don't watch the Yankees so it's nice every few years I get to see them play but at the same time you're right like the season is really long yeah and it takes a lot out of them so like would you want like fewer let's take the National League West for example like fewer games against the Padres <laughs> <laughs> but you know like fewer series I'm not sure the specifics of how this would work out I guess so you'd have to take at least like one series out of all of those that you have like three series against for other um, National League teams maybe one series a year so this year you play at home next year you play there that'd yeah. be a way to do it and like cut interleague completely or at least <laughs> half because it's uh Okay, so if you had to give an impromptu TED Talk, what could you talk about at length? I feel like I could talk about a lot of different things. I think I could talk a lot about intuition and creating and living intuitively. And I could talk a lot about social media and I think like psychological effects of social media. I'm trying to think of a TED talk that would actually be interesting and not just like <laughs> up there talking about like snacks for 30 minutes, which I could also I do. Mean, what would you want to talk about? It doesn't have to be something that people would want to hear. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I could talk about like types of fried chicken. <laughs> 
types of like ranking ice cream bars would be really fun for me. I could talk about Disney World for like 10 hours. <laughs> it could be a whole series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. And this one, I didn't write this question specifically for you, but I can't say that you weren't on my mind when I picked it. Uh, <laughs> favorite ballpark food from any park? Okay. Well, it's hard to narrow it down to one food, but Petco Park has the best food. Really? Yes. Okay. Ex explain. Okay. So I would, I would actually rank, is it Oracle Park now? I can't keep yeah, up. Oracle I Park now? Oracle. I would rank them second. Okay. In terms of overall stadium food, and I think everything there is pretty great. But Petco, all of their food is local, but it's like good local spots that you would that you would go to outside of the park. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of those things that we can't wait to go there to eat. Everything's so good. They have like Phil's Barbecue in there, which is so, so, so good. Like we go to Phil's Barbecue anyway outside of the stadium every time we go down there. And they have that in there. And they have like Ho Dad's Burgers, which are really good. And they've got several like local taco places and like other barbecue places and they have like a new like really nice pizza place but they also have like this market area that's like uh it almost is like an upscale like whole foods you know the food cases they have at whole foods of like prepared foods they have that so you can get like a salad or a sandwich or something like that and it's oh, just like it's nice. not everything that's nice because a lot of times, especially like if you go to a lot of games, like yeah. you don't want to eat ballpark food every time. Exactly. You're like, okay, I, like my body hates me so much right <laughs> now. I have to eat something that's, that's not going to yeah. kill. <laughs> that's interesting. So then the local, you're talking about the local restaurants. Are they set up like in permanent booths in there inside the park? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, everything, and they have, like, all local beer and stuff like that. It's just such a – it's such a great time going there, A, because, like, the fans are really chill. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's just, like, the weather's great. It's in a beautiful spot, but then, like, everything there to eat is so good. Have you been to any games there this season? I haven't. Oh, okay, because I'm kind of curious – it kind of always felt like, well, it's not AT&T Park anymore, but, like, Oracle Park yeah. South when the Giants would go. And in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it always felt like our southern park when the Giants would play there because it was always more fans of the visiting team. So I'd be interested to see if it's, like, changed this season now that they're, like, doing better. I know. I was wondering that, too. It's hard. It's always hard to gauge with uh, – I always – I haven't gone this year, but I usually go for the Dodgers series. And that's always hard to gauge anyway because so many people come down to L.A. no matter what or right. down from L.A. no matter what. So it's always – half and half yeah and, um I think that's probably always going to be the case for those series mm -hmm. so I don't know it was like and I don't mean to insult any Padres fans that may have found their way over here but I, <laughs> I had honestly was like not entirely sure if there were very many Padres fans just because I had hardly ever seen any I know I mean I know several and uh they exist <laughs> They're all very lovely people. I'm sure they are, and I really didn't mean to offend anybody. I just I know, it's haven't true. encountered it's true. them. I don't see them elsewhere. I mean, I did. I lived in San Diego several years ago, and I found that when I lived there, it wasn't like a big thing. But I don't know what it's like now. Yeah, and I didn't really hang out with those people then, so I don't really. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because it's kind of interesting. I mean, they're not obviously. Well, we'll talk about the Dodgers, unfortunately for me. Um, obviously, they're not. 
<laughs> well, they're not at the top of the heat, obviously, but they're very close. Like, the rest of the division, aside from the Dodgers and Giants, is pretty close. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if they start to pull up any. Okay, so okay, let's get into... So it's for everybody at home, we're recording this Sunday, the 9th of June. I'm not sure when it will publish, but today was the... Um, Madison Bumgarner, Max Muncy incident. Uh, Do you want to share your thoughts on that? Well, it's funny because I was actually not watching the Dodger feed. I was watching the Giants feed because I actually really enjoy the Giants broadcasters. And so we were like laughing about it. And you're like, oh, that's funny. Like we were kind of, you know, I'm like, oh, I wonder if they'll fight. Like this will be interesting and exciting. And then they didn't. But I didn't find out until like hours later when someone texted me about like what they were actually saying to each other. Yeah. <laughs> which is so funny, which I, I don't even remember now. What did Max Muncy say something about like His... going to the ocean and get it or something like that? Muncy had the absolute best response that I've ever seen to it. Um, and they have t-shirts of it already. Yeah, I saw that. Oh That's... my God. It went to be the t-shirt and I was like, I don't know what this is referring to. <laughs> oh my God. That's a little difficult. Yeah, if you haven't heard the quotes. See, for me, like, I'm all about, like, letting players play how they want to. And so it didn't bug me that Bumgarner yelled at Muncie because it's like, eh, fair enough, right? If I want to let them be themselves and, you know, if he wants to get angry, he's going to get angry. What bugged me about it, though, was that he was, like, being the play the game how I want you to play at Brigade, which I hate. And everybody's saying, oh, there's no there's no distinction. You can't tell Bumgarner to play a different way. And it's like, I don't know. It, it drives me a little nuts. Well... The thing for me with this is I actually really like that it happened because everyone always calls Bumgarner a racist because he always does this with, like, the Latin guys. And I'm like, he did it with a white guy. And I love that he did it with a white guy today. He did it with um, Will Myers a couple years ago. And Myers hadn't even done anything. I'm pretty sure I could be misremembering. There was one incident where he just thought he was going to yell at somebody just because he wanted to yell. You know, that that. It's weird, but it's fine. I just didn't like him, like, policing the way that he was playing the game. It's like, that's none of your business. It's funny to me at this point, but I don't know. I don't, he's not on my team. (laughs) Well, and that's my other thing. It's like, if he weren't on my team, how would I feel about him? Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny. I know a lot of people think it's really tired and annoying, but I'm always just, I I, I guess because I just watch so much baseball that, like, when anything happens yeah, interesting, I'm like, yes. (laughs) yeah I feel like I almost need to like weigh it and be like okay well remember Hunter Strickland and how awful he was okay I'm gonna allow it (laughs) (laughs) at least he's not out there throwing at anybody or punching doors so actually you had mentioned the Giants broadcasters that you were listening to them Um, how have things been since Vin Scully left like who have you guys got now so we have Joe Davis and Oral Hershiser and um, sometimes Nomura Garcia Parr is in there too. And it's still like they're great. I just, it's interesting for me and probably most people because Vin is just so unique. Mm-hmm. And so now you just kind of have like a normal booth and you're like, this is weird. This is wrong. <laughs> this is wrong. But it's funny because I listened to Vin for so long, even really before I was well, I was like still just like a diehard Rangers fan and I would watch the Dodgers as like the late game because it was just so relaxing to settle in and listen to Vin. Mm-hmm. And, but now I just really, I like watching, like I said, like I watch like the visiting feed a lot on MLB TV just because I find it to be 
fun to like mix it up. I mean, it, like we said, there's so many games. <laughs> <laughs> so I always love listening to the Giants guys. I love listening to the Mets booth. And like, there are just other ones that we'll just like put on now that it's just really entertaining. And you know, the, the opposite teams, uh, broadcasters are generally going to have some information that maybe the home teams won't about the other team. So yeah. Kind of interesting well, too. yeah, that's the whole thing too, is it's like you have your home guys who are always like kind of talking about the same kind of things. And when it comes to your players, at least, and it's always interesting to see the perspective on like the team and the players and the coaches and all that stuff from the other guys. Yeah, that too. So there's like a, it feels like then there's like a transition period with the Dodgers, like their broadcasters, or does this like seem like these are going to be the guys? I think they're the guys. Um, The only thing that would make me think they're not the guys is if Joe Davis leaves for Fox, Ah. which I could see happening. Yeah. Oral, like they're like Oral's there unless again, I don't, I mean, you know, they're the guys. Yeah. (laughs) Because I feel like the Giants are going through a period because of um, Mike Kruko's um, uh, medical condition. He's not traveling with the team uh, East anymore. So we've got like Javier Lopez. And I don't know if Jeremy Affelt's still doing it. I haven't heard one from him in a while. But it's definitely kind of feels like a transition period. And then awkward when you're just like, this is kind of jarring. You just get used to the same voices all the time. You associate those voices, like, with not just baseball, but with, like, memories, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll feel that way when we lose any of our guys. Uh, Hopefully, let that be a long time away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like to ask everybody kind of what their history with baseball, like, what got them into baseball, what made them fall in love with baseball, or their team that they've chosen. Um, Would you give us your story? Yeah, I feel like I have kind of an interesting one, not in terms of how I got into baseball, but kind of where I got now with where I am at baseball. But when I was a kid, I grew up in Dallas, and I was the youngest of three girls, and I was kind of like the one that like my dad got into sports. And so we went to lots of Rangers games when I was a kid, and um, I went to like Kenny Rogers perfect game and we went to like I saw Nolan Ryan pitch like it was just so it was just really really fun and like I remember as a kid I associated um basically all these players like I like the ones that I liked the most were my brothers and the ones that I was a little iffy on were my cousins and I would like to say that like I knew at the time that Jose Canseco was a cousin (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was like, there, no. <laughs> but, um, it, so I actually st- kind of stopped watching for a little while because we moved right around the, in 1994, which was when, like, the whole strike and everything right. happened. There wasn't MLB TV at that time. So <laughs> we moved to Idaho. And oh, so wow. I was really into hockey when we left. And so I just kind of kept that going. And then I got really into basketball. And I kind of refound baseball in high school and then got really, really into it a little later. And then obviously like the Rangers went to two back-to-back World Series and then that was super devastating. And then they were really, really good the next year and then lost in a horrific collapse. And that was really devastating. And I started like kind of like pulling back from it a little bit because it was really hard. I actually wanted to, I wanted to bring that up. So you're a Dodgers and a Rangers fan. This feels like a particularly personal form of punishment for you. I know. And so that's why like everyone's like the Dodgers are so good this year. They're going to go to the World Series. And I was like, let's. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like, like, I sure, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, done this. <laughs> I always, I, you know, the, the rivalry is what it is. And, you know, I don't, like, hate Dodgers fans or anything. But every time they lose in the World Series, we get a little bit of the shade in for it. And then I always feel a little bad for you. Because I'm just like, you <laughs> specifically. Because you've just had a rough decade of this. I know it was so funny like or it wasn't at the time it was funny at the time but I think it was after yeah it was after the world series last year which was much easier to deal with than the year before it was like the rangers tweeted something to the dodgers about like a support group or something like that and like the cespedes barbecue guys texted me and they were like this is really like specifically hurtful for you <laughs> But I feel like, okay, so basically what happened is I was already kind of like having this disillusion moment with the Rangers and I was already watching and enjoying the Dodgers because it was like 2013, 2014 when they started getting really, really fun. And I was watching them, like I said, it was like the late game I would watch. I was still in Texas and I would listen to Ven and watch them and I'd really enjoy it. And then I moved back out here to L.A. And like a couple months after I moved out here, I met my boyfriend who worked for the team. And so it was one of those things that it was like, okay, I am still like a fan of both teams. And then you quickly understand, and it's a very, I even I didn't understand this until it happened. Once your like your livelihood depends on a team winning, it doesn't like all your old fandom is just gone. That's interesting. It is. Like, I really always thought, like, it would be hard to root for a different team. And it's just, like, you you get so immersed in it because you know everyone. And not only do you know everyone, but it's, like, you – like, the team winning, like, directly affects your life now. And it's just such a different – like, it changes the whole scope of the game. So that's kind of – I mean, I still – want the rangers to do well but it's just so like i'm such in a different space now it's just it's so it's like i said it's unique because i know most people don't have that right. situation but i i thought it's i mean i know a lot of people don't understand it because i didn't so you mean like trans transitioning to the dodgers from the rangers kind of yeah, like i mean i always thought i was like i always thought that like in the beginning in the early stages that i was like well i'll just root for both teams and i'll just watch all both games which is <laughs> not a good idea that's a lot of games as we've established way too many games and it's like way too emotional because you're caring about way too much well and i would imagine if they're both doing really well come time to the playoffs you're like oh god that's way too much stress it's way too much stress and then but it's interesting so my boyfriend actually grew up a huge red Sox fan and so last year it was funny because he couldn't care less now what happens to the Red Sox. He wanted them to lose like a million percent. But it's so funny because so many people from like, he's from New England and like so many people from in that area were like, oh, but surely like you felt a little good about it. He's like, no, like you don't understand. Like that part of you just shuts off. (laughs) You're just like all in. I wonder, that must be what it's like for like the players, like who came from a specific area, but then they go and play for another team. Oh yeah, for sure. They don't even think about it anymore. It's just, your entire relationship with the game is just different. So, okay, can you give us a little insight into how your teams? Do you still follow the Rangers pretty closely, or I follow them, but not as not super closely. Okay, so then we'll just we'll just talk about the Dodgers. They did do a ceremony for Adrian Beltre last night, which was fantastic. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch. Chris is great because he was here first and he's a great person and so I'm really glad that he's managing the Rangers now 
Oh, and so we have our own Rangers um, representative. Hunter yeah. Pence, have you been following him? Yeah. How insane is that? I know. I'm like, what's that? So what's funny is this is really bad that I'm saying this, but okay. like I was so, you know, we just came off two world series losses. So like at the beginning of last year, I was like dead. And the beginning of this year, I was like, I don't even show me baseball. <laughs> like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be around it. And it's so funny because I was not paying attention to really anything in the off season. And all of a sudden I was like seeing stuff and I was like, wait, this person's on the Rangers. Wait, they're on the Rangers. Wait, that person's on the Rangers. Like I didn't even know Hunter Pence was on the Rangers. All of a sudden he was like hitting dingers every day. And I was like, what is going on? That's how we feel too, because like he he was uh, he had injury problems and, and all of that, but like he didn't have a very good last couple of seasons with the Giants, which uh, you know it happens as players get older. And a lot of people were like expecting him to retire after last he's season. Retired, and I was like, I'm so I feel like I felt really bad. I was like, I legitimately thought he retired, and I was like, <laughs> he plays for my old team. Like, <laughs> And then there were there were people that were saying he should retire, and then he comes out the gate with Texas, and he's just oh, hitting bombs. I know it was crazy, and I love I love Hunter Pence because he's so opposite of everything normal and baseball, <laughs> but it always works. And then, yeah, I was gonna say. Then I guess this makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> it does make perfect sense. Good for him. Indeed. We, we love him. He's like an actual forever giant. So we, we still love Hunter. So one of the things that like is the the goal of this podcast is to kind of get a check in with fans of other teams around the league just to see how different teams are doing for those of us who can't watch, you know, okay. all of the teams play all of the time. Yeah. And obviously we see the Dodgers more than we see a lot of other teams, but um, we don't, you know, a lot of us won't watch the Dodgers regularly. So can you give us just a little bit of how the Dodgers are doing it this year? Like, they're clearly doing very well. Well, How are they doing it? First of all, Rue um, is just out of control good, which, like, came from out of nowhere. Like, he was good last year, but, like, he was not supposed to come back from that injury a few years ago. Right. So the fact that he's, like, playing, like, pitching a Cy Young caliber year and, like, should probably start the All-Star game is blowing my mind, and I love him so much, and I'm, like, super excited about that. And then, but I think the biggest difference is Bellinger found a swing because he was totally lost last year, and really needed to be benched for pretty much the entire playoffs because he couldn't, he was just so lost. Did I see that he got sent down at one point or no? I think he did, but it was one of those things that it was like, it was just so bad. And then like they, they didn't have Seager last year and it was just kind of a mess. But I think the biggest difference was like Bellinger figured it out, but not only did he figure it out, it's like, it's like the kid from Rookie of the Year. It's like something happened where all of a sudden he has like superhuman strength. <laughs> oh, so you didn't just fix it. It's like you like over fixed it and now it's like scary good. That's, you know, speaking of scary, it's kind of like scary as a, well, okay, not that we're competitive, but scary as a Giants fan, <laughs> seeing a team, the, the Dodgers that have come off of two World Series 
seasons, even if they didn't win. Yeah. And they're better this year. That kind of pisses me off. Well, let me tell you, if that pisses you off, let me revisit what we talked about 10 minutes ago. That's true. The same thing happened to the Rangers. Yeah. Oh, God. Two World Series losses, and were even better the next year, and then had a total back-end collapse on their 2012 season, and then lost the wildcard game. We, we, we're going to knock on some wood surfaces here because I can't imagine, as much as I don't want the, the the Dodgers to win a World Series, I, for you, I personally can't, I can't be okay with them losing another one or going out early because I feel like there's only so much a person can take. I know. My expectations are so low, though. Like, <laughs> this is the thing because it's like, because I've done this, I have all of these like safety mechanisms built in my body now and so I really was gonna ask you if you had any coping mechanisms oh yeah well it just keep your expectations low so everything's a nice surprise but I mean like last year the team was so bad that the entire playoffs were like this is I can't believe we made the playoffs so like that's amazing and then it's like oh we won a playoff series oh that's weird and it's like, they kept, like <laughs> we can't believe this team got to the world series and so when they lost the world series it was it sucked but it was one of those things that like I we like no one thought that they were going to make the playoffs. That's <laughs> like, true. Didn't, wasn't there like a Giants move, by the way? Except the Giants win. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say that sounds a little bit like how everybody felt about 2014. Yeah, but then opposite result. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, my expectations are just low because I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's obviously the regular season doesn't matter. So, oh no! Okay, well, it doesn't matter in terms of the playoffs, but if you have to watch, because like, if you have to watch every game, or you know, more than not watching, um, it matters because then you know it's it's not a lot nicer to watch wins, yeah, than soul crushing losses again and again and again. Um, I would like to bring up since we're talking about the Giants, the night that they had fireworks at like one forty-five in the morning, uh huh, because. I feel like a lot of places wouldn't do that. And I thought that was the funniest thing ever. That not only did they continue to do the fireworks after however many innings that game was. It was 18. They, just the response on Twitter from people <laughs> woken up and pissed off was so freaking funny. I'm just really happy that happened. I feel like I'm of two minds about it because my mindset the night of. I would be mad if I was there. And I can see that maybe that wasn't the most responsible thing to do, but my reaction that night was kind of, um, I had worked all day and then I had to cover that game. So beforehand I was just like, oh, please just be a nice quick loss, whatever, right? 18 innings later, I was when they set the fireworks off, I was like, if I have to be awake right now, you have to be Every awake time. right now. I got very petty about it. Oh my God. Okay, so you have a book out, right? I do. I just wrote a book and it's interesting. It kind of came out like came about really naturally, which I guess all of my books have, but I mean, all of them, there's three. I think in the last year, I spent a lot of time off social media just because I was finding it. I was kind of going through a transitionary, that's not a word. Like I was kind of going through a transition in my life, like mentally and like, what do I want to do and who do I want to be and blah, blah, blah. And, um, I, on top of that, like Twitter was just a total train wreck and just a nightmare every single day. And I was like, I can't be on here and like think and function as a human. So I basically was off social media for most of the year. And in that time I realized I was like, okay, 
like in my mind, I wanted social media to be like a place where you can connect with other people and like uplift each other and feel good about it and have it be enjoyable. And obviously it will never be that a hundred percent of the time. But I was like, instead of me wishing it was that I was like, I guess I could just start contributing to it in that way. So I just kind of started trying to form more connections with people and like ask them what they needed help with and like how I could offer support and any words of encouragement they needed to hear. And something I've learned to do is to just respond intuitively instead of mentally, which is like, I don't think about responses. I just allow whatever comes up through me to come through me. And as I was like talking to all of these people, I found that I was giving them a lot of the same words. And I, at the time I was like, I was spending hours and hours and hours doing this. And I was like, okay, this is not sustainable (laughs) for any, (laughs) for any possible reason. But I was like, because I'm like, feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again, I'm just going to put it into a book. And so I thought about, and I was like, I'm like, I immediately knew what I wanted it to be. I immediately knew what I wanted it to be called and how I want it to be formatted. And I basically just wanted to create, it's a free resource that like for people who need those words, it's an easy way to get them and find them in the book, whatever you need to hear. So are we uh, are we talking like it's it's uh, advice? I don't know that I'd qualify it as advice. Some of it is, but like a lot of it's just like reminding people that um, that they're okay and that they're loved and that they're gonna be okay. Because I think so many people are just so scared and freaked out about life which is normal I mean I am we all are but it's like just the words that like the words of support that I found myself giving to people I was like okay I need to like give these to more people somehow it's really just whatever kind of came through me intuitively kind of like it's kind of advice but it's mostly just like if you came to me and was like I'm having like a hard time with this and this and this it would just kind of be the words of support that I would offer to you to remind you that you're okay and that you're gonna make it yeah I don't like to overgeneralize like a lot of people do and say there's just so much negativity in the world it's like yeah there is uh I feel like it's been particularly bad the last particularly bad yeah so (laughs) I I like the idea of putting out positive content into the world and to try and just change things by doing right that was my thing is I was like I could sit here and complain about how awful it is or I can do something about it yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, sometimes it seems like it doesn't matter just because the bad things will still happen, but I love that idea of, like, people can come and take what they need when they're, we've reached that point, like, oh, nothing matters, they need that support. I love that idea. Yeah. I wanted, I mean, I think I told you this before, but um, you're, I don't know if they came out at the same time, but your last two books, those actually, I, I, I read both of those, and they actually led, or helped lead me to getting my first writing job. I love um, it so much. Yeah, well, thank you. And I, I know you literally have a whole book about this. Um, but what is your main piece of advice for anyone looking to get into a sports-related career or media or uh, anything in your field of expertise? Um, I would say build relationships. And this is what I always tell people. I think more than anything else, because it's so important, because I think we're always, when we're growing up, we're always taught, like, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I found that to be very true. And I also want to say that in a way that, like, it shouldn't be scary, because you have time to know people and meet people and talk to people. And I didn't know a single person in the sports world when I was first on Twitter, like I didn't know it. I didn't know a blogger. I didn't know a writer. I didn't know anyone. And I just started forming friendships with people. 
And the more I just kind of cultivated relationships with people, stuff kind of naturally came up for me. And I find that to be true for a lot of people. But I also want to point out because as you know, because you read the book, it's, you know, like I talked to over a hundred different people in the industry and I did that to show you that like everyone has their own path in. My first one is like just meet people and talk to people and form relationships. But my other one is find your own way. Like you don't have to copy what someone else did. Just figure out what works best for you and demonstrate your value to people. Like don't be afraid to hide your value. What do you mean by that? Um, and by that, I mean, uh, just acknowledging like what you're bringing to the table and whatever role that you're wanting to kind of go into. Oh, okay. I think I misunderstood. Yeah. So just, you know, I think so many people are like, oh, well, I have to, you know, be humble or shy or awkward. And like, I don't want to like toot my own horn. I'm like, no, like you need to go in there and like tell people like, this is how me being here will directly benefit you. Mm -hmm. You don't do it in like a cocky asshole way. Like, you need to have confidence in yourself and in your abilities because it's a really competitive industry. And I, I feel like that's sometimes harder for, no, I don't want to generalize here, but I think sometimes it's harder for um, women in the industry because it's like there's so many just negative, I don't want to say stereotypes, but negative connotations of women in the industry. And if you come in with confidence, you know, people think that you're arrogant and cocky. They just assume that's what your confidence is. So do you have any advice specifically for women? For women, I would say I think the challenge for us in sports is there are very few, I don't, role models is the wrong word, but there are very few figures that we have um, outside of like a few roles, right? Like we don't have someone to look up to as like a president of a team or something like that. And so I always say like, you know, be that person, If that's your goal, you just kind of have to figure out your own way. But ultimately, you just kind of have to tune out people's opinions of you because the thing as a woman is men feel very compelled to tell you their opinions about you (laughs) (laughs) on every platform and in every way. And you're either too pretty or you're not pretty enough or you're too thin or you're too fat or you're too annoying or you're too stupid or you know too much. You know, there's always that. And that's mostly just because in the past, you know, that's just been kind of a tumultuous thing with women in the industry. And it's been, you know, men feel like it's like, it's like a boys club. And that's just like their way of like trying to keep you out of it. So you just kind of have to learn to tune that off and realize that their opinions don't actually matter. And I think that's great advice because it's kind of you, especially if you're the people pleasing type of person, which I would say that I am. Um, it's hard because you're it like, you want to do, you want to like contort yourself to, to the way that you like want everyone to like you. I have a hard time with that and like accepting that, you know, not everybody's going to like you. And some people are going to say mean things about you, regardless of what you do, even if you phrase something. That's the thing I completely harmless. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I like bend over backwards and try to like say or do something exactly the way someone wants it. It's not going to change their opinion of you because ultimately what they're saying isn't about you. It's just you're triggering something in them that's pissing them off. (laughs) So it's, it has nothing to do with you in the first place. I mean, that's something I've had to go through a lot and learn over the years. And just, it it is hard because you're, you want people to like you and you want people to feel good around you and you want to, you want like people's good favor. But I've learned that the more that I just honor my own opinion more than anyone else's that I'm, 
in a much better place. I think that's really great advice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so we're getting to the part of the show where we will have um, two minutes to rant about anything you want. <laughs> it can be baseball. It cannot be baseball. Whatever you want to do, I will let you go first. And so let me know when you're ready. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I'm like trying. I'm, I'm really trying not to be in a ranty phase in my so, life. But I'll do it anyway. <laughs> well, actually, let me clarify then because I clarified in my other ones. But I don't mean it to be a negative connotation. It's more the venting. So it can be positive. It can be negative. Whatever, whichever way you want to take it. If you're excited about something, go for it. If you, whatever you want to talk about, let's put it that way. I think I'll just continue my rant on social media, just because it. it's ever present in my mind. <laughs> well, and mine's on a similar topic, so we'll have a theme. <laughs> I, right. think, I think anytime you're on social media a lot, it's hard not to. But God, I'm just so honestly over so much of it. And I'm just so over people who feel like they have a say in, your, in you being validated. And I'm over like people... Like, oh, who are you to say this? Or who are you to be verified? Or who are you to have people follow you on Twitter? Or blah, 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 which I get all the time. And that's the most confusing thing in the world to me. So I'm like, there's no rules in life that like only certain people get certain things. And I've just learned that like so many people on social media are so mad and angry and miserable. And it just creates this big, mad, angry, miserable cesspool of people. Ultimately, like I'm just I'm just tired of it. I'm just tired of people spending their days trying to tear other people down instead of trying to do good things with their lives. This isn't like the best rant that I have, but it's something I think about all the time. Well, I know, and I mean, that goes along with the one I'm going to talk about, but it's like going, adding to that, people who think that they're entitled to your time. Yeah. Like they, they challenge you, like, you have to respond to them or you have to argue with them. And it's like, I don't. I have this much time in my life. I have this much mental bandwidth, and I am in charge of who it, who I allocate it to. Yes, boundaries. Yes, and I think that took me way too long, way too long to get a a grasp on most of us way too long to do that I'm still learning how to do that and I've gotten much better but like I totally agree with you on like 10 different levels <laughs> because there's also the people who are like pissed off when it's like you mute them or block them on Twitter like you should argue with every single person who talks to you well, I've had people like in the past this still pisses me off by the way this was several years ago when I was first doing my podcast and I got like a an email from a PR guy who tried to who had like some I forget it was some guy who he was trying to get on my podcast who I'd never heard of before and at the time I was only having on people I knew and I didn't respond to his first email and he sent me all these follow-up emails that were like like were talking shit to me and he was like trying to be playful but it's like we'd never talked to each other before I had no idea who this person was and he was like oh no you're not big timing me blah 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 like all this stuff and I was like I don't like no <laughs> I, I hate that when you know I let me preface it preface this by saying I really do enjoy interacting with people whether I follow them or, or not but I have you know I'm on my own terms and I don't I don't like when people like assume a familiarity with you when you <laughs> don't know that like you can't make a joke with me like we know each other and expect I'm gonna take it the right way right like, I don't I don't know you, you. you don't like a self-awareness or something there that like I, there are people I know online who I can do that with 
and who can do that with me and it's like and it's fine but then there are people I like I don't know who have treated me like twice and they do that and I'm like I don't know you this isn't funny <laughs> yeah I feel like it's sometimes uh, like the best um comparison I've made is that it's like a jump rope or like uh, you know group jump roping and you have to kind of watch it and then just jump in when it's like natural yes like if you're going to respond to people that you don't actually know and you want to get to know people which is kind of how I view the point of Twitter or yeah. social media you just kind of have to like watch and see your moment and don't just like force your way in yeah which piggybacks on what I said earlier about meeting people don't be weird when you do it <laughs> be normal and just like enter a conversation naturally and then don't act annoyed if they don't respond to you. Yeah. Like <laughs> it happens over time. And you do like, you do make a lot of good friends on there. Yeah. But those form because like some, you, you have conversations. You're not just like responding to respond to somebody. Right. So my, my rant is about people who quote tweet arguments rather than just, like, replying, because they feel like all of their friends need to also see them argue with this person. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, it drives me nuts. And those tend to be, like, the same people who will dig through the replies of somebody else's tweet to pick fights with people. Oh, my God, I can't. I see, I just, this, I'm so tired. <laughs> and this is, like, so people talk about how toxic Twitter is, and it is, in a lot of ways, it really is. But in my opinion, it's more like you make it how you want it to be and not in terms of, like you said, with content, put out positive content, but also curate it. If you don't like what you're seeing, stop seeing it. Right. Don't go digging into mentions. Why would you do that? You're going to just you're going to see trash. You're going to see a lot of trash. And if that's what you're looking for, don't complain when you find it. Exactly. And I was doing that for a while just because. I got, I would get on these kicks where I would just like, I, okay, so I really love muting people. It's like one of my favorite things to do. Just, I just get like a, I just get a sense of fulfillment every time I hit the mute button and I've muted thousands and thousands of people. But what happens is, or it used to happen, I don't do this anymore, is I would preemptively look for people to mute who like haven't tweeted me yet. And so I would just like go sift through like the darkness of like Jamel Hill's replies and like other people I know the replies and I would just like mute everyone and I'd be like this is so much fun and then like an hour later I'd be like this is really not healthy no no <laughs> you get into really this, terrible like, things you get into a really dark place when you have to see all that stuff which is like when you have to see it because it's at you I mean that's that's the worst but so I can't imagine wanting like wanting to go through a place like Jamel Hill's comments and, and reply to those people. Like, pick oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't like, reply to anyone. No, no, no. But, but like, yeah. I see people all the time, they'll dig through the replies to some famous person or some viral tweet or whatever, and they'll just pick fights with people. And it's like, well, this is why you hate Twitter, is because all you do is pick fights. Okay, And you wonder why everything is... I have another rant. <laughs> okay. My rant is on people who continually talk about the same people and how awful they are over and over again, Trump included. And I'm like, just like, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's important that we're informed, but like when it's turning into like an everyday and like politics, you, Twitter is its own. It's its own thing. Awful sphere awful. of awfulness, which I stay out of, but like a lot of people I follow don't. And so right. I'll send, like tweet about the same things and then like quote tweet things that they quote tweet awful so tweet. The run of attempted dunks, 50 of your people that you follow quote tweeting the same tweet, trying to dunk on it. It's like, oh my God, like, we, did this help anything? We get it. We get it. 
<laughs> oh, this is God notly specific. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, so let's uh, let's bring it back around. Um, I'm gonna give you a chance to um, promote anything that you have going on. I know you have. Um, you have a course coming up or that you're, you're in the middle of first. So uh, yeah, I'm, it's, I, okay. So I have my book and my other two books are still available as well. And I also created a course, which just kind of emerged naturally from questions I got for so many years. And it's really, uh, it's called monetize your life, but that's maybe not the best name, but basically it's, I teach people basically step-by-step step how to, listen to your intuition and ref like get over your fears and all of your limiting beliefs, but ultimately learn how to create for yourself and make money, whether it's on your own, on its own or as a side project or in any way, but basically it's how to make money being yourself and ultimately first getting back to who you are and who you really are and what you really want to do and then making money from that. And because I've just done that for so long, I just wanted to share that with the world and so I have that, and then I have my books, and then I'll be doing my podcast again soon. Uh, follow me on Instagram, because not as dark as Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's your, um, your, what's your handle over at Instagram? What's your handle across social media? My handle on Instagram is Lana Berry, at Lana Berry, and then my handle on Twitter is at Lana, L-A-N-A. So you got in there early. No, I stole it from someone. Nice. I actually didn't even get, so I didn't even get at Lana Berry on Twitter. That wasn't even available when I signed up, which I was still on there early. It was like 2008. Oh, but wow. I had to get Lana underscore Berry. And then finally Lana Berry was available. So I snagged that. And then I like jokingly DM'd my friend who worked for Twitter at the time because someone I knew got their first name on Twitter. And so I was like, who is Lana? And it was some girl who wasn't named Lana who had tweeted like twice and both were like complaining about Twitter oh and it had been like years since she'd tweeted. And so I sent it to my friend who worked at Twitter. I was like, I need, I was like, please steal this for me. Like I, <laughs> this bitch, like I don't understand. And so I was just like joking. I, I didn't care back from him for two days. And then the next thing I knew it was just changed. <laughs> oh my gosh. He changed yours. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just changed it. So See, guys, it's about who you know. It's about who you know. And, being, and just being dumb enough to ask for it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so this is, the podcast is called, well, partly called The Happy Hour. Uh, we want to close on your favorite cocktail recipe. Are you ready for one? Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> I'm not a big drinker, and I don't make cocktails. And so I thought about it because you sent me in the email to send my favorite cocktail recipe. I was like, well, this is going to suck because <laughs> all I drink is wine or vodka water. I and drink beer, so. I, remembered, I do have a favorite cocktail, and I've never made it before, but I do have the recipe for it. Are you ready for this? Yes. <laughs> It's called the Boa 405, and it's at Boa Restaurants, and it's okay. like a strawberry balsamic vodka drink, and it's so good. So the recipe is one and a half ounces of vodka, a half ounce fresh lemon juice, two strawberries whole and halved, a half ounce of sugar syrup, a dash of balsamic vinegar, and a pinch of coarsely cracked black pepper, and then you shake it in a cocktail shaker, and it's so good. I can't imagine those flavors going well. I mean, I don't have, like, the best palate, but I can't imagine, like, the balsamic and the pepper with the fruits. So balsamic and strawberry are very good together, but I didn't know that at the time when I first had it, like, a bajillion years ago, but I was like, something about this was, like, 
pulling me in. And I was like, I have to try this. And it's so good. Oh, and that's... I'm a big cocktail person, but it's my favorite. That's very interesting. See, yep. everybody's coming out the gate with these interesting cocktails. I love it. <laughs> um, okay, well, Lana, thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you.